let's uh, let's get rolling. Before we start, is there any questions you guys have regarding the format? No, I want you to just host the shit out of this, and uh, we'll react accordingly. I have no doubt about your abilities as as podcasters. As you know, I love your show. <laughs> I love your show, and you guys are great. Welcome to the worst of the best podcast. You wanted the best. Well, they didn't freaking make it. So here's what you get from Canada and from New York and New Jersey. Ryan and Dan and Henry. Welcome to the Worst of the Best podcast. I am your host, Ryan, and I will say that I'm a little bit nervous, a little bit trepidatious, because with me today I have some very astute, seasoned, funny, uh, maybe a little bit handsome. These guys <laughs> these guys run the podcast called The Franchise Podcast. I personally have been listening to them for about three years. I think I started listening to you in your first year of podcasting. Oh, well, hey, I'm Daniel Ehrenberg, the co-host of the franchise, and over there is Henry Papali. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do. Hey, everyone. It's nice to be here. We were here a while ago. I don't remember. A couple of years, was it? Uh, Oh, yeah, because I was in a girl's apartment, and it was four or five girls ago. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wow. Um, that's, how, that's how Dan judges time. I understand. Kind of. I was in yeah. Ithaca, remember? We, what was the topic? Oh, we were talking about franchises. And yeah. we decided that Lord of the Rings was our least favorite franchise. No, you decided that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I did not decide that. That was your choice. Uh, Henry, what was your Shrek. choice? Was it the same? No, 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 no. I, I, I had said Shrek. Okay. Shrek was my pick. And then Henry said Lord of the Rings. And I was like, that's good, man. I felt like mine was like a testicle shrinking choice. I didn't have the quite the balls that Henry did in that moment. And so I wanted to grab onto his balls and go. Right. Yeah, I think yours was was not a bad take. I think my hot take on uh, Jurassic Park was better. Do you hate Jurassic Park? I don't remember. I think that was the one I picked. Because I'm not a fan of Beast movies or uh, Beast versus Man movies. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. And that'll come back up today. Well, I might edit that part out. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) No, you have to keep that. (laughs) We'll see. But yeah, that being said, yeah, you guys guest host on this uh, podcast feed for the worst of the best of franchises. We did the top grossing franchises of all time. I think it was the top 10 or whatever. You broke the rules for me because when this uh, podcast first started, we wanted to keep things like 20 minutes to half an hour. And then you guys guest hosted on and you broke the boundaries. And <laughs> and ever since then, I've never gone back. I've, I just keep doing hour to hour and a half type episodes. So kind of thank you for that. I appreciate that. It's hard to do short podcasts without being really stolid and, yeah. and 
boring. It yeah, does, once you yeah. get a conversation going, it's difficult to rein it in if you want to get really into something, you know? I mean, it's like Yeah, I'm not going to stick to format like I'm <laughs> top of the pops or some shit. <laughs> I'm allowed to swear on your show, right, right? <laughs> I will take care of the editing, but I want you guys to talk naturally. Don't worry about oh, okay. what you're going to – if you want to make my job a little bit easier, feel free, but don't stress out about it. Be natural. Oh, so you do edit out the – okay. So All it, of them or some of them? The S word. One like Titanic? <laughs> I allow you to have one nude scene, one tasteful nude scene. <laughs> yeah, just tasteful for yeah. sure. Holy shit. Dude. I can rein in my swearing. I don't have to swear. I can live with that, man. Yeah. I do. I'm not smart enough or creative enough to speak without swearing. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I also want to say that I guessed it on your show. You guys were kind enough. Back when you were little peons and you took requests from complete strangers like me and you had me on to do the Young Guns franchise. And I appreciate you guys letting me come on for that. I love that episode. <laughs> and, and we're going to have you on again, of course. We talk about it all the time. But we want to have you on when we go back to Sly. And we haven't done it yet. But we certainly will, because I was thinking about it earlier today. He has so many franchises. Oh, yeah, it's crazy, man. We got Rambo. We got The Expendables. We got uh, Escape Plan. Escape yeah, Plan. Judge yeah. Dredd. Right, no, it's just right, one. Right. No, they made no. the Carl Urban one, Okay, Frank, according to your rules, that is allowed. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. Okay, so we're today we're talking about, you might have heard of him. I think uh, most of Wait, our audience. Also, oh. he directed <laughs> yeah. Staying Alive. <laughs> Yes. Oh, that's right. Oh, okay. That's right. That would be a kind of a fun one to do. Uh, we haven't covered that on our Rocky uh, podcast, so that would be a fun one. Yeah, sure. We're getting there because we do the uh, standalone episodes of Sly films that aren't Rocky and Rambo. All right. So today we are talking about Steven Spielberg. Might have heard of him. <laughs> the guy who directed The Terminal. If you, if you don't know him, he made The Terminal. <laughs> Always. Always. Yeah. (laughs) Always. Funny enough, we are mentioning worst films of uh, Steven Spielberg, but the concept of the show, if you're coming from the franchise podcast as a a fan of Henry and Dan, and I don't blame you if you are, because, and I hope you are, I hope people are coming over from your show to check out this episode. I hope we get cross-breeding between the shows. Well, you'll get, yeah, your numbers won't increase because of my show. I I hope you guys... They do! They did! Last time we were on the show, we gained viewers after being on your show. That's why we're back. Not because we like you. Right. That's fair. That's fair. I will say yes. I actually personally know of some listeners that went to your show, and I, I think they stopped listening to mine. Uh, what? <laughs> I'm going to give them a shout-out right now. UK Dave. Actually, oh, we love UK Dave. UK UK Dave has actually been on the Rocky podcast as a guest host, and wow. I don't incredible. And I'm not certain he still listens to every episode. To be honest with you, if he is, he's now a silent supporter when he used to not be. That's all I'll say. Listening to this one, he loves us. Yeah, well, I know he loves you guys, and every he has every right to love you guys. Look, you're better podcasters than me. I don't blame Stop him. Stop it! This is your show. We're cucking you right now. <laughs> Matt, I'll sit in the corner and enjoy it. Don't worry. I haven't said a word. I haven't said anything. (laughs) Sorry, I'm terrible. Navy Greg or whatever. He's another one uh, that went. He's a big, big supporter of your show, and he. Let Page Greg. Yeah. Yeah, I know that dude. He's ghosted. He's ghosted my Rocky podcast, and he goes on yours all the time. He tweets to you guys and stuff. Yeah. Anyway, oh good. I'm happy for the. I'm happy I got you guys, the listeners. All that being said, uh, we're talking about Steven Spielberg, but we're not talking about his worst films. What this show is about is we 
take what is the best of an artist's topic, whatever it might be, and from that best, and how we get to the best we'll talk about, but from that best of list, we will decide what is the worst. Because no matter what the list is, there's always something at the bottom. It's not necessarily number 10 or whatever, because everyone's picks will always be different, usually regarding the worst from the best. Keeping that in mind, what I've done, guys, is I've used my own scientific method to decide what is Steven Spielberg's 10 best films, not by box office necessarily, though some are huge in this list, but from IMDb user ratings and Metacritic ratings combined. And I figure that's the fairest way to do it because you have the quote-unquote experts who critique films with their opinions, and then just the general public who actually goes and supports these films and makes them what they are, rating them. And we're talking millions of votes on IMDb for all these films combined. So that's a, I don't think there's a bigger pool of people that we could draw from to determine out of 100, score out of 100, we'll give that score as we go through each film in order of least to best in that order. So these are the best rated between audiences and critics alike of Steven Spielberg's films, top 10. They get all those votes because people know Spielberg. He's one of the first that people look up when they go to IMDb for the first time. How many directors do you think the average Joe on the street could name if you said name movie directors? Not many. I bet you if you asked, let's say, a 30-year-old, give me five directors, you'd get Christopher Nolan, Steven Spielberg, probably still James Cameron. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, maybe Tarantino. Those are probably the big ones. Yeah. Did you want to give any general feelings about Spielberg? And Henry, I will let you speak at some point in this podcast. <laughs> um, I. He means a lot to me because the movie that sort of got me into movies is Jurassic Park. When I found out that Jurassic Park was made by a person, I went and sought out that dude's other movies. And that was the first time I ever did that. And that sort of became the way I got into movies, was I'd go through directors and actors' filmographies. And yeah, Spielberg was the start of that for me. He's been one of those omnipresent people in my life. He was just always there. And, you know, probably my earliest memory of anything was Raiders of the Lost Ark and just being aware of him. He's just kind of like as a kid when I didn't know anything about directors or anything like that. Kind of the main guy that I just always, you thought of Hollywood, you thought of filmmaking, I would think of him, you know. And I really distinctly remember for me like turning point with him when I saw Schindler's List in the movie theater and I was probably 14 or 15. But that was a major thing to see for me. You love Holocaust movies though. I do. I was of the age, I mean, I, I think that's the same year as... The Jurassic Park, Park yeah, but, but I had no, right, but I had no need for that one. Like it was uh. Schindler's List was, but it's because of my age too. I think you know when when Schindler's List came out, I was just more interested in that. But you know he's always been there, and I really really love deeply some of his movies, and and like most of them. I mean Dan and me have sort of given him sort of a semi rating ranking on our we show. We ranked him on our show, yeah. yeah. And Look, there's really not that many terrible movies. There's just a few that I truly loathe, but uh, not do, many. It'd be fun to do a Spielberg master ranking, including his producer stuff, because he's oh, a ridiculously be, yeah. prolific producer as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And as a kid in like the early 90s, he was producing a lot of shit for me. Like I watched Tiny Toons and Animaniacs, and yeah. those both started with giant Steven Spielberg presents, you know, credits yes. at the front. Yeah. I always thought it was cool 
that the Spielberg was one of those directors that he's kind of like a Martin Scorsese in the way that he trusts screenwriters to be the screenwriters mm. of his movies. Mm. He's not a writer director. And I always kind of respected that. He doesn't have to throw his hat into that ring. That said, I think he's a good writer and I wish he'd write more, <laughs> but you're right. He trusts his writers. And I think he hires writers because he wants their material. Yeah, I mean, he gets people like Steven Zalian, and I mean, who's some of the other people he gets? The Coen Brothers wrote Bridges Spies. That's crazy. right. That's I weird. Mean, yeah. he's a he's a master. I'm not coming in hot here to be confrontational, but uh, Steven Spielberg has challenged me my whole life in the sense of I feel like I should like him more than I do, and I don't know why I don't recognize like your dad. Yes, shush. Of course. Uh, that's a serious question. Oh, okay. I thought you were being uh, glib no, on that. you have a good yeah. relationship with your dad. I think that's why you don't connect to Spielberg. Oh. All of his movies are about how his daddy didn't love him enough. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting psychology, film psychology. Uh, I'm totally with you, Dan, on that I follow the careers of people so once i obviously that's why i started stallone because when i was a kid i liked the rocky ramble film so i i gravitate and i followed that career and so i always looked at who's directing this who's writing this i've always been that way especially when i got to my teens i followed people's career and i started to recognize at an early age oh who wrote this or oh, who directed this i'm going to get a certain vision because of the director and the writer and the actor of course spielberg at a young age i would i wouldn't say he uh upset me but some of his early movies I saw as a young kid I was like oh this guy I feel like he had, all of his movies have this weird dark kind of pall over the film almost like a physical darkness on the film they just seem they look and seem and feel dark if feel they feel heavy they always kind of mm. feel heavy to me emotionally they're heavy hearted for sure because they're all built in nostalgia and melancholy to me E.T. doesn't that's the one outlier where E.T. is just a joy or whatever. It, I, and I'm not a huge ET guy, but I think that right. is his most optimistic, lighthearted movie. I recognize, of course, his talent as a filmmaker. That's not up for question or debate. I mean, what he does on screen is revolutionary. The films that he has done, he's not a hack. <laughs> this guy knows how to tell a story, form a story. He's obviously influenced many filmmakers, many storytelling type stories since then. And he's the type of director that makes other directors like, ooh, you know, I gotta, if I'm gonna fall in the footsteps of somebody like Spielberg, I better up my game. So it ups the game of other filmmakers when you're somebody who can make a film, if that makes sense? Or, or it's, I think it yeah. intimidates a lot of filmmakers to the point where the guys who are influenced by him just try to make Spielberg movies. Sure. And, like, forget to do their own shit. JJ? Uh, the other <laughs> yeah, one. that's one that I'm thinking of. Even though he makes, I think, to him, very personal films, he's not someone that ever, like, spoke to me. He didn't grab me like Stanley Kubrick. I don't think he's that kind of director. He makes films that are supposed to be broad yeah, they're, they're populist movies. Yeah, sure. populist movies, right. Like you're not they're not trying to speak to you, Henry. They're correct. trying to speak right. to all of Yeah, right, exactly. They're, you're never gonna find a, a niche audience for Spielberg. He's just not that kind of guy. What would be his most niche movie if you think about it? Oh well, well I'm looking at the list that Ryan sent us, but uh, I don't have everything else in front of me. But wow, that's a good question. His most Do you think it's AI just because Kubrick influenced some of it? It's not on this list. One of my personal favorites of Spielberg because I felt like the Kubrick influence challenged Spielberg to step out of his Spielbergness a little bit. And it was exciting to watch him do that film. You and me both, Ryan. I think Same you way. know my feelings on that movie are. are <laughs> 
it might also be even less the Kubrick influence and the trying to stage it like Kubrick than it just that movie was probably just popular because it did have a lot of technological weirdness in it and, and ideas that people have been trying to stage for a long time. And also had the greatest actor of our time in it. Jude Law, the greatest actor. Oh, of course, the young Christ. <laughs> That's a franchise callback. If you're a franchise yeah, listener, you'll I know that joke. We're yeah. fans of the young Pope, and the Emmy nominations are coming out on Tuesday, and we hope the new Pope gets a few noms. There you go. Yeah, okay. we definitely do. All right, so fans are waiting to hear what it what makes the top 10. So again, what we've done is we've given a score out of 100 between IMDb and Metacritics combined, divided by two to get these scores for each movie out of 100. We'll start with 2002's Catch Me If You Can. I've also adjusted the box office for today's tally, and I think that's important because it tells you, again, how big these movies were at the times they came out because using the budget of then... These will give you an idea of just how big these films were. And this was surprising. Catch Me If You Can, had it sold the same amount of tickets today, would have made $480 million at the box office. That, wow. That, that strikes me about right. That was a big starry movie, you know, Leo yeah. and Hanks. Hanks was still hot shit at the time. It was right up Yeah, oh, yeah. Whatever. I saw yeah. it in theaters. Yeah, me, yeah I, I did saw too, it. Henry. I did too. A scoot, scoot, scoodle dee, a scoodle dee doo. That's uh, John Williams' jazzy score. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's his ever present John Williams. Yes. Yeah, but he did something weird with that one. Occasionally, when he gets the material different, uh, and it's not a big, huge film, John Williams will try. I just watched 1941 the other day, and John Williams' score is so good. Wow, I never saw that. It's good. I kind of liked it. Well, it's not on this list. <laughs> well, I wouldn't expect it to. Yeah, that one tagged for it. So, yeah, it's interesting to see uh, such a young uh, Leo. He looked very young, only four or five years from his Titanic days. This was one of his big films that was post-Titanic that kind of broke the box office again, made him a a star outside of that, out of that film. I guess Gangs in New York was around this time, too. I think uh, same year. Same year, yep. So, yeah, big year for Leo. Unbeknownst to Leo, this was his uh, audition for uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with all those costume changes and everything. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, it is it is that vibe for sure. It is. Yeah, and isn't Catch Me If You Can during that brief Hollywood moment where they thought Jennifer Garner might be in movies? <laughs> <laughs> she is adorable. I did enjoy Alias. I loved, I loved I know, Jennifer Garner, I and I, I, I truly feel that she is underappreciated. In yeah, she is. But I mean, there was a period from 2003 to 2007. Yeah, yeah Electra where- <laughs> and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I forgot to mention the score. It received 78 out of 100. Okay. The score, yeah, yeah. it's a good score. It's one of Williams's better scores. No, no, he means the. 
Oh, the score. <laughs> Sorry. Score. Oh, my bad. Yeah, the score, the Metacritic and uh, audience combined score is 78 out of 100. So well-loved amongst audience and critics. Wasn't Christopher Walken nominated for an Oscar for that movie? Walken's good in that. He plays Leo's dad. Of course, that film has a fraught father-son relationship. As Obviously. you might guess. But. Obviously. I don't know that I ever saw that again. Yeah, good call. Right? He was a nominee, sir. Yeah, go ahead. There you go. Yeah, yeah I love that film. I gave it four stars. <laughs> same, same. Four yes, I know. I have our letterbox stuff here. Do you? So yeah, it's helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that movie. I think it's great. I had a good time. Yeah, I don't and... see that one being the worst of the best. No. no. Okay, so number nine, same year, same score between critics and audiences, but had $9 million more million at the box office. That was Tom Cruise's Minority Report. Right, of course. Okay, yeah, so we all saw that in theaters too. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that was such a huge movie. It was massive, and it was overhyped to me. Uh, I, oh, I love yeah. Tom Cruise, and I love Steven Spielberg, and I love Samantha Morton, and that movie did nothing for me. Oh, wow. It's it's too chromey. Totally it's, agree with you. It's yeah. so metallic. There's no humanity yep. in that movie. Yeah. I don't know. It's a fun romp, and there's good action stuff. It's a decent vision of the future or whatever, but it's like certainly better than you would later do with Ready Player One. I'm not a huge fan of that me neither i agree with dan on all those counts love Cruz, love spielberg love samantha morton hell i like colin farrell mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. but that movie was really hyped beyond belief and i remember just being very underwhelmed i think i've softened on it over time but not much i mean i just don't really have that great a usage for it and i remember born identity came out Semi around the same It was like the same summer, I think. Yes, and I saw that, and I was so much more impressed with that, just it being Doug Lyman doing this action movie that was kick-ass. And I was like, well, nobody's talking. I mean, they were talking about Born Identity, but it was totally overshadowed. No, 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 for sure. What happened was it was the same time Minority Report and Die Another Day came out. And it was like the new Bond movie and this huge Spielberg movie. And then Born Identity came out of nowhere and was just like way better than both of them. Yep, yep, yep. But it caught on because it formed its own franchise. It did better with each film. So it, yeah, absolutely. I agree. It, that, it wouldn't have caught on as much if the sequels weren't so good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They took a gamble with the second one and it paid off. For sure. Uh, so yeah, Minority Report, funny enough, it's it's one that I do recall seeing the theaters and I do recall, I think I even owned it on DVD for a short time there when it back in 2003 or whatever. But it's one that after 18 years, it has aged poorly. It doesn't hold up. Philip K. Dick adaptations. I'm not like a huge Blade Runner guy, but I feel like the first Blade Runner totally holds up better than Minority Report does. Yeah, that's fair. 20 years later. Yeah. I think that one of the reasons for that is probably because of Spielberg sometimes gets carried away with trying to be like a prophet. This is how it's going to be, and this is the new thing right now, so let's make a 2002 cell phone look like a cell phone that might be in 50 years, whereas right. in Blade Runner is just a completely different world, even though it's like set in the future. It doesn't really matter because the whole thing, Ridley Scott didn't really care about what we had at the time. Spielberg also gets obsessed but, with modern production techniques. Yes, yes. We'll just use whatever. And some of that stuff is like amazing for the time and holds up like Jurassic Park. 
and some of the stuff you watch now, and it's like, wow, that looks very 2002. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Minority Report is a very good example of that. Yeah, it is. I think if unbeknownst to them, to them at the time, how would they know how much CGI would advance in 18 years? Well, he should. <laughs> yeah, but that's the profit thing. I, I mean, he may have had an idea, but even when I saw that movie, I was probably at the time was impressed by the special effects. But I looked at the trailer. I watched the trailer just to get a feel the film again of what I saw 10, 15, 20 years ago. And I was like, oh, this looks horrible. <laughs> they, yeah, you can yeah. see all the seams now. Yes. Right. There you right, go. Right. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. All right. So this next one on our list, number eight is by far the lowest box office draw of the top 10. It has a score of just a little bit higher. So audiences and critics liked a little bit more than the, than the first two. Bridges Spies, 2015, 78 and a half out of 100, and it made $179 million at the box office. I think that's right. his best movie of that particular decade. Hmm. I mean, that's not going to be my pick. I think Bridges Spies was a real achievement and a real return to, like, nitty gritty 70s down to earth storytelling mm -hmm. and I really loved that movie another really good score is fantastic in it. Mark Rylance deserved that Oscar. I'm sorry, Sylvester and Frank. Yeah. <laughs> oh, who did that go to? Rylance no. won Supporting yeah. Actor and Stallone was nominated for Creed. Right. I just saw Bridge of Spies for the first time today. Oh, wow. Like a child throwing a temper tantrum. I haven't watched the film since 2015 or at all because of that loss that Mark <laughs> but as time went on I didn't rush to go see it in the theaters not because you know, obviously it came out before the Academy Awards uh, so I didn't like, see it in theaters either I didn't really think anything of it oh I did oh okay did. and then Sly lost the and so I was I was a little bit butthurt I admit as a fan I'm a fan of one actor not uh, this guy comes in out of nowhere who is this guy the only reason why I know your name is because you beat my guy and <laughs> so sort of out of spite I'm like I'm not going to watch this I don't know if I can enjoy it so you can't. How'd you feel about it? Well, it's a great film. Mark Rylance, it's hard for me to say it was deserved because I, I'm a fan of the Rocky character. And I think what the Rocky character for me, this means more to me, obviously, than this character. But he did a great job. Uh, so I was definitely watching him. I was really watching of him. Of course, like a hawk. Yes, Mark Rylance did a character that he's never done before, and he did he did a, an amazing job. And so I could argue that Sly has done this other character very well, and he just happened to do it again really, really well. And so, to be fair, you know, Slice had more time at the one character, and Mark Rylance hasn't. So, in that sense, uh, yeah, I can see why he was picked. Who were the other nominees that year? Because I, I remember that... It didn't matter, dude. It was always going to be one of those two guys. No, but I know, but I, yeah. I, I, I'm i just curious. Because I'd have I, to go back. I felt bad for Stallone. I think, I we, mean, I think I, a lot of people did, yeah. I thought he was so great in that, and I love Bridges Spies very much. Uh, mm. 
it's funny, Dan and I, I'm, I'm doing sort of the letterbox parallel here, and we've had the exact same ratings for the first three films. Oh, wow. Did we, did we give Minority Report a three? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, three, and this a four. That's but, fair. you know, yeah. Mark Rylance wasn't why I liked Bridge of Spies. Dan said, I think the score was really remarkable. The storytelling was just sort of an old school kind of almost Casablanca type thing, even though it's, you know, not a romance, obviously, but just kind of a retro story. And it's sort of like my feeling whenever I see Johnny Depp in a movie not wearing a fo- <laughs> uh, almost swore there, uh, not wearing makeup. I'm relieved. Right. And so when I see Spielberg making a movie that's just like a straightforward thriller, I'm always a little thrilled. Oh, right. Yeah, you don't always have to do these huge things. You can just do stories that are basic spy movies. By the way, Henry, Christian yep. Bale in The Big Short, Tom Hardy mm-hmm. in The Revenant, Mark wow. Ruffalo in Spotlight. That's a big Tom year. Tom Hardy would have been the only other one then. I would have, I'm sure I was rooting for the other two I don't care about, even though I, I like didn't them. notice him in The Revenant. No, you wouldn't because he's... <laughs> You can't see his face, no, and he I, has a new voice. I have face going <laughs> this for him. Tom Hardy, had he won, I would have been like, oh, I see that. He was a, right. I, he was amazing yeah. in The Revenant, and he had a huge role. It was huge. Nah, if yeah, Tom Hardy was. won for The Revenant, I would have been mad about Sylvester. Dan's hatred of The Revenant is, like, legendary. <laughs> That's the worst of the best best picture winners. <laughs> what's next? Okay, what's next? We got, uh, again, 2012. Another true story. So we should say, catch me if you can, true story. A minority Report, maybe a true story in the future. <laughs> Bridge of Spies, true story. And number seven, coming at number seven, Lincoln. 2012 film, 79 and a half out of 100, and it made $310 million at the box office. And awarded Daniel Day-Lewis an Oscar. And oh, I thought it was Matthew McConaughey and Lincoln. <laughs> That's how good Daniel Day-Lewis was. It was actually Daniel Day-Lewis playing. <laughs> four wow. score, four score, it. and all right, all right, years ago. If anyone could do an actor playing an actor, and not, not to borrow from Tropic Thunder, but yeah. Two films I had to rewatch for the show, and this was the other one. I hadn't seen Lincoln before. Ever. Oh. Ever. Well, okay. I've seen it, and Henry had, I know, because Henry loves Lincoln. Yes. I do love it very much. I saddened at some of the Spielbergian flaws that mm, are in it. Um, I think they're major detriments to its overall storytelling. And as a film, the, some what of the arc, Tommy Lee Jones's character, Thaddeus Stevens, is just given sort of a ridiculous sideshow of a performance and an arc mm-hmm. that's like sometimes good and then sometimes too much. The way they do, he does Lincoln's assassination is just uh-huh. Uh-huh. abominable. Was, uh, yes, but, I was so but, mad about that. Like, nobody wants to see their head get blown off, but part of me kind of, I wanted to see the attacks, it, the screaming in the theater. Ha- you, what are you no talking reason. about? You didn't want to see that candle? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he does this cut, and you know, it's so funny, I'm, I'm, I mean, I might as well say it, because really the topic of this whole show is Spielberg. Yeah, um, of course. And when I was in the theater watching that, right, I knew I knew he wasn't going to show the assassination. Yeah, I he wondered would do if he something would. clever, and I was so disappointed that I was right. He's such a great filmmaker, but like I knew that that tough moment 
to watch, we were not going to get. And we didn't. He did a Now You See Me too <laughs> moment. And it's like, come on, man. Did you give that a four or a five on letter? Four. I gave okay, it a four. good. <laughs> I think Daniel Lewis's performance is so unbelievable as usual. It's just such an impossible sort of character to even try to give anything other than a caricature. He had great chemistry with Sally Field. I just, Sally Field's fine. God, <laughs> the sexual chemistry. <laughs> oh, stop. I'm going to stop. Sally Field. Yeah, because that's what that movie was about. You know, we needed to have that Mary Todd Lincoln and Abraham. Well, we certainly needed to show Mary Todd Lincoln, like, freak out and throw a tantrum 19 times. Well, she did that a lot. Yeah, but, yeah. she was. Cool. Uh, but I, I think that's still a very powerful movie, and I, I think that it's a very excellent film for the most part. Mm-hmm. Just biographies. What about I, the beginning when that one soldier reads that speech to him? <laughs> we saw him two years ago at the cemetery dedication. Yeah, we heard you speak. We heard, ah, damn, damn, damn. Uh, hey, how tall are you anyway? Gee, shut up. Could you hear what I said? No, sir, not much. It was uh, four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth from this continent a new nation conceived in liberty to be dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. That's good. Thank you. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are, we are, we're met on a great battlefield of that war. That's good. Thank you. We come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who here gave their lives that that nation might live. His His uncles, they died on the... On the second day of fighting. I know the last part. It is, uh... Company up! It is rather... Boys, best go and find your company. Thank you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. God bless you, too. God bless you. On subsequent rewatches, that doesn't hold up that well. Yeah. But there's a scene in the movie that I've actually watched multiple times rather than watching the rest of the movie. Daniel Day-Lewis gives a one shot as a beautiful directorial touch too. I mean, Spielberg has one frame of Day-Lewis at the table in the cabinet yeah, room discussing and explaining. Yeah. yeah, discussing and explaining. I believe it's about seven or nine minutes long explaining wow. about how he issued the Emancipation Proclamation. And I mean, that right there is not just great acting, but it's great filmmaking. And I, I That's what you do in your free time. You just throw that scene from Lincoln on. Yeah, I have it actually on Letterboxd. I rate that scene. I created, <laughs> I created you can get enough a votes to rate. Entry, yeah. yeah, it's a new entry. I got enough people behind me. So it says length of time is seven minutes. No, it's a seven or nine. Seven or nine minutes. People think it, you know, a documentary about the making of Lincoln, but it's not. It's just. I chose a scene and it got That's it got right. on Letterboxd. I'm but, proud of it. So I just saw it like seven days ago. I understand now why Lincoln was shot. I think whoever shot Lincoln was like, can you please stop it with your insufferable parables and storytelling? <laughs> <laughs> I think he was ready to roll into another one. The guy just took out his weapon and said, that's enough. I'm done. I'm done. That's I, very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think Lincoln just spent his whole life telling stories to make his point well what great points abraham lincoln had didn't he (laughs) i don't feel that way i mean i know i've read a lot about him so i'm not gonna infuse that but the performance itself i actually always found his performance and those parables and parables and the jokes very funny i mean it was a big part of his character maybe in your opinion they just overdid that and like made that his character but i mean i didn't think that that was really through the whole movie i mean i also think 
you have a lot of the machinations of Congress that are fascinating, where he has James Spader in that side role, kind of yeah, doing yeah, like yeah. things. There's like, a lot of good character actors in right. the movie. I'll give it that. Aren't there like a ton of TV actors? Yeah, you know, yeah, there's a Strong lot. In that movie. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot. The guy from Breaking Bad, who we love, Gil, yeah. who's yeah. been in a million things now. The guy who wants to cook like Walter, but can't quite get it as good. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff, especially since Breaking Bad. But What's I can't that remember his guy's name. name. I don't remember. That's yeah. going to drive me nuts, dude. Anyway. David yeah. Costabile. That guy. That's oh, his name? Wow. Yeah, yeah. He's oh. in Billions, too. He's great. Yeah. But so you were not a fan, Ryan. Yes, Daniel Day-Lewis, I think he knocked out the performance of Lincoln. I just think Lincoln was insufferable. <laughs> I think it was anno- <laughs> I, I think he was annoying, but Daniel Day-Lewis played it great, if that makes sense. I, and I think in a, maybe I would have been one of those opponents to this guy, like, this guy, shut up, shut up, shut up. You, you know? would have been like a pro-slavery guy, is that what you're saying? Stop it, jeez, okay, this is... <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the power of the edit's coming, my friends. How dare you? You cannot edit this. Hey, you invite us, these two, you know, jerks on yeah, your show. What did you invite us for? If not <laughs> <this>? <laughs> uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. Dan, you wanted to close on the Lincoln? Yeah, that sucks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Such okay. a jerk off. Come on. Why? Nothing I talked works about it Lewis, already. Right? Day oh, Lewis yeah. is good. The, the cast is great. I mean, it's immaculately filmed, although yes. I think some of the sets look fake in a way I don't often feel from Spielberg. Maybe because they shot inside for outside. I'm just not a fan of that movie. I think it's saccharine. I think it's overlong. I really don't like biopics that are just like, we're going to cover these three days in this artist's life. Which is funny, though, because you actually like topics in books like that that cover specific points that aren't sprawling. That's for me in a book form, but I don't know. That is like a gambit that I think rarely pays off. Yeah, I thought the same thing. It's like, oh, we're dealing with this part of his life, yeah. And they didn't even reward me with the headshot. Like the Capone movie you just watched where he's just shitting himself. <laughs> right. Because that, that was the same caliber. <laughs> oh, we forgot to mention that, Dan, your favorite actor is in it, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yes, yeah, he is. I mean, I hate that guy for sure, so that put me off. <laughs> Played Father. Abe's son. Father. Oh, that's right. He's the Father. son. I want to go to the army. Yes. This is my 19th century accent. (laughs) Yeah, he he does a fun voice, as he always does. And then Lincoln slaps Uh, him, and Dan cheered. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, dude. If anyone deserves to be slapped, it's that guy. (laughs) Robert Todd Lincoln, you bastard. (laughs) No, Joseph Gordon. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's number six. Now, this movie, I was legitimately surprised, not by its ranking with critics and fans, but... The amount of money this movie made, if had it been released today with the same tickets sold, this is like Avengers money. So we're talking about Close Mm. Encounters of the Third Kind, came out in 1977, a score of 83 out of 100. So we're getting up in the 80s now. $1.3 billion in today's ticket prices. That was a monster, man. I mean, that's how 1941 got made, because he had a blank check after that movie. Sure. We Lincoln, I rated four. You rated it two. This is one on Letterboxd. We've come to Daniel's first perfect Five. rating. Five yeah. stars. Oh, okay. Um, Why don't we start with Dan then? 
encounters. I think it's one of Spielberg's best movies. Mm. I think that run he he goes on in the seventies is fairly unparalleled. I mean, and now that I've seen nineteen forty one again, I kind of want to even include it in the run. Jaws and Close Encounters and into the early eighties with Raiders and I guess you want to count E T. I think Close Encounters the pinnacle of Spielberg is exactly what every Spielberg movie is about. It is fraught father-son relationships and a dude driven to the brink by paranoia and by his belief in something that nobody else believes in. That is like what almost any Spielberg movie is about, Hmm. and that is one of the best ones. And I think Richard Dreyfuss gives one of the best lead performances of any classic Spielberg movies. Yeah, not really a fan. I gave it three stars. I've just never really connected with that film. And actually, to use one of my favorite words that Dan used to describe Lincoln, I mean, I've just always found Close Encounters extraordinarily saccharine. I've actually seen it multiple times, so I was going to say I've tried to watch it, but I haven't tried. I've actually watched it several times, and I don't hate it. I just never connected with it. I mean, it's kind of dark. It is the first Spielberg movie in his oeuvre that... (laughs) has the worst qualities of him that I don't care for, but some of the best. The sentimentality, the some of the family stuff, I think is just really unbearable. I but mean, then where it ends up with him abandoning his family. Yeah. That's dark if you think of it as an existentialist level where he's abandoning his family and it's sad in that way, but it's not filmed that way. It's filmed as though this amazing experience that he's going to go on, which is fine. But the whole like building the mashed potatoes tower and all that. (laughs) I mean, I can't stand that stuff. It just drives me insane. And the music is awful. I don't know. It's not a very distinguished score. I'll give you that one. John Williams has done a lot better in the movies around that time. It's silly for me to not give it three stars because it's still very ambitious. It's still extremely intriguing, and it's doing something at the time that was rather unusual, which was making an alien invasion not about vicious aliens. It's a towering Uh, achievement. And so (laughs) I also want to say we were talking about, like, all the TV actors he included in Lincoln. That's sort of the thing to do now, but he's always had these really big, weird, dynamic cast. He's never felt pressure to just put stars in all the roles, even though these movies are big budget, huge releases. So Mm -hmm. you look beyond Richard Dreyfuss, who I guess was a star at the time in that movie, Terry Garr, who's like amazing and sexy and funny, and you've got Francois Truffaut in that movie. (laughs) That's funny. I forgot about him. He's just like a dude who's on set every day. I think Bob Balaban is amazing in that movie. (laughs) Bob Balaban doing his best Bob Balaban looking freaked out the whole time with his big eyes. The altered states. Yeah, you do. You want 70s, 80s Bob Balaban. His eyes are just wide. He's like a deer in headlights, man. Yeah, yeah. Close Encounters. Yeah, they play Simon Says at the end and. Give her six quavers, then pause. Magnetic anomaly on the order. 
She sent us four quavers, a group of five quavers, a group of four semi-quavers. Have in common five, I hope somebody's taking all this down. Yeah. What are we saying to each other? There you go. <laughs> Not a fan. It's a UFO sp- sighting. Family gets scared. The government's involved. They contact. Buddy's like, yeah, see you later, guys. I'm going for a space ride. The end. Ooh, I feel I like it, room. man. I like a thoughtful, slow-paced, languid sci-fi feature film. If he didn't build the mashed potato mountain... Would the aliens still have come? Was that necessary? Was that chaos and mess in the living room necessary? It's just, it just stressed me out the mess that he was making. <laughs> Who cleaned it up? Dan's losing seems it. like a big problem. <laughs> Stocking a few stars. It's one that's worth reinvestigating. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I've seen it many times in my youth, you know, because it was like always on like the movie channel. Yeah. It's not different. You'll still feel the same way. You get it. I get the criticism. Yeah. I, yeah. That, that just doesn't bother me. Well, like, it was loved by fans. It was loved by critics. bothers me so much more than it did. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Not to get more controversial, but we'll go on to the next one. Uh, number five on the halfway mark. This is this kind of surprises me that this critic-wise – this is in the middle of our top 10. Jaws, at number five, with critics and fans, it only rated number five. There's four movies above it that fans and critics liked more than this film, despite it being what it is. 1975, Jaws. But this blew me <laughs> out of the water. Box office, it had it been released today with the sales. Now we're talking one of the top grossing films of all time, $2.2 billion in ticket sales. Huge movie. I think it was number one at the box office that year, or close to it. Well, probably for like um, two years. <laughs> uh, look, that's uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. I'm going to bat for that one. There's no way that's the worst or the best. That movie, no. every nice thing every anyone has ever said about it is is an understatement. The mm. perfect film. I love it front to back. Every performance is amazing. The score is incredible. summer movie ever. It is my favorite supporting character in any movie, Mayor Larry Vaughn. I, I just love everything about it. Your love of this film, because I, I, as you know, I listen to your podcast. I think sometimes, Dan, no offense, I know that you're playing a character, but sometimes I think with some of your picks, I'm like, you're just I'm doing I'm not that. playing a character. Stop. <laughs> There's sometimes some of your picks, like, stop. You can't give Crank a five. Like, just stop. <laughs> I didn't give Crank a five. One I of those ones. Crank two, high voltage a five. Oh, oh. <laughs> It's even worse. This is ridiculous. I should have you. I should have you thrown out of the show and just finish this off with Henry. But like, like you give the same ranking on your show with Jaws one as you do with Craig. It doesn't make. It doesn't make sense. Anyways, whatever. We'll, we'll move on. I get what you're saying, Dan, and I've had this discussion yes. then then an argument many times. But you know, I've done the same thing. I mean, I just gave the Spy Who Loved Me five stars, but it doesn't right. mean that I think the Spy Who Loved Me is there will be blood. You no, know, the I star know, ra- I know. Yeah. yeah, the star rankings are relative to many what the, things. What the movie know? is, what it's representing, what's supposed to be, and yeah. yeah I mean, because I, I, I don't, I'm not. 
we're rating them against themselves, like what I'm, they're that, trying. Right. To You're do. preaching to the choir. I understand. That's for your audience members, but I because I do understand that. I'm the same way. I could easily be or become the guy who never gives anything a five-star rating and just reserve those for the quote-unquote absolute masterpieces of all time. But I have no interest. I get no enjoyment out of that. Art is is art in many forms because if you were going to start doing that, then what would you do if you got into something like rating great paintings or great symphonies? Would you start giving Beethoven's Fifth Symphony four stars? Yeah, all nine of them are five stars. I don't I mean, that. <laughs> no, of course. They are. Course. They're movies, and I think that giving things high ratings, I have no problem with it. But, I mean, I got completely lost in my own tent. No, well, right. well, you love Jaws, too, right? <laughs> I, Jaws is one of my favorite movies of all yeah. time. It was the first movie Dan and me watched when we were roommates. I yeah, had it yeah. running. I had it on, and he walked in. And I was already. I and he was like, "Oh, tend to watch it, That's right? No, I, mean, I just had it on, and I got sucked in." Yeah, it. and I mean, I've always loved this movie. It's always been around in my life, but my appreciation for it definitely, I will admit, did not happen until much later. Mm. I, I don't think until I was probably nineteen or twenty did I mm. really realized oh wow wait a minute this isn't just great movie this this is one of my favorite movies wow. and and then I started to really learn every little nuance about it and how amazing it is in every way I always loved Jaws but I always thought of Jaws as like one of his more populous movies like uh, Raiders or Jurassic Park or War of the Worlds Hmm. or something and it wasn't until some of that teenage snobbishness faded away that I was able to really see the art at work in Jaws and just what a perfect screenplay it is definitely and just an incredibly put together piece of work and just like gorgeous. It's just amazing to look at. Yeah. It put is. Jaws on mute and just have a yeah. delightful time for two hours. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. All right. And you. Right. <laughs> it's the old, I, I can't relate with the shark. So his presence in the water is, <laughs> okay, guys, there's a shark. Just get out of the water. That's it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> When I watch movies, I envision myself, well, how am I reacting to this if I was here? Not just the main character, but if I, even if I was a peripheral character. Like, if I'm in this world and this is happening, I get caught up in this. So I cry in movies. I'm not ashamed to admit there's movies that make me cry because I get wrapped up in the world. And if there's a character loss or a stressful moment or I'm Henry a part. and I are both enormous criers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I feel like this is a safe place to say this. It yeah. certainly is. To me, I don't get engaged by the idea that if there's a shark in the water, guys, just get out of the water and let the professionals handle it. Stop going in the water. <laughs> this like, is a Canadian thing, man. He doesn't yeah. understand the American influence. Americans are very dumb. They continue <laughs> to go in the beaches. The beaches are full right now. You know, I've seen it many times. Again, my youth more than my adult years. So maybe it's worth revisiting as an adult viewer, I admit. This is. I think. I, and oh, that's fair. God, so I owe yeah. it to you, Dan. I owe it to you. I'm going to rewatch it, okay? Because it's it's right. been about 30 years um, oh, since yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Well, yeah, I saw it as a teenager, and I just haven't seen it since. But I know it, it's in the ethos. It's always around. You always kind of know that. You feel like you've seen it 100 times, but you've probably seen it twice. It's one of those movies. Right. Okay, number four. Now, of the list, guys, this is my first five-star. This is okay. easily, 
easy. Of all of Spielberg's creations, visions between Harrison Ford, the, his character uh, being uh, Indiana Jones, the fantasy part of it, the bad guys, the darkness. This is where the darkness works. So Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 1981. Oh, Eight, I thought you were going to say Crystal Skull, bro. Yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark, 1981, 84.5 out of 100. $1.08 billion in ticket sales had it been released today. Huge movie, rightfully so. Taking that darkness further, my favorite Indiana Jones film is Temple of Doom. It has everything that I love in the indie film. It has the darkness, the magic, the adventure. Abshaw is such a downgrade. That's fair. I can't argue. I can't argue with that. Mr. Spielberg, he was quote unquote happily married at the time of this filming. <laughs> we Amy always, Irving. Yes. Yeah. 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 He didn't marry Kate Capshaw until a little bit after this filming, if you don't know. No, what I'm no, saying. right. All right. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, she had a very healthy set of lungs, but I don't blame him. <laughs> that being said, that scene of uh, of Indiana Jones on the bridge cutting the rope, and when he says, I'll see you in hell, that is probably one of the top moments in film history for me. I like, <laughs> like, like, uh, I'm sorry, just like Henry goes back to Lincoln. This is a scene that I've gone back to on Spielberg's career that I've gone to over and over again. Even though it's not in our temp list, but that scene of him on the bridge, and he's like, uh, I'll see you in hell. And he starts cutting the bridge, and Kate Capsule's like, Indy! <laughs> Shorty! Chow Chi! La Tsu Tsu Tsu! So, anyways. (laughs) I love Temple of Doom, man. It's a lot of fun. I think it's great. I was never a big Indiana Jones fan. As a character, he did not capture my Hmm. imagination growing up. This was a movie like that for me, where it seems like I'd seen it a thousand times, but Hmm. I really hadn't. Hmm. And then when we covered it for the podcast, it was like I was discovering it for the first time. Like now, I love those movies, especially okay, yeah. the first two. I like Temple of Doom too. I'm less enamored of Last Crusade and especially, of course, Crystal Skull. Raiders of the Lost Ark is an incredible movie. Mm-hmm. Henry, do you remember I told you the story? I was watching it by myself, and the scene where he like is climbing around that vehicle and then he climbs into it and commandeers it. I love oh, that. it's amazing! I love yeah. That. I was watching it by myself. You cheered. I, I got so exhilarated by that scene that I did like a. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. I I grew up with Raiders again. I you know I was about three I think when it came out, and uh, I grew up with that movie. And it is very dark at the end, especially man. I mean, yeah. there's some oh, really yeah. nasty stuff going on there. I remember as a kid, I'd be like on a play set or the playground or whatever. I'd be climbing bars or muggy bars, and I'd pretend I was Indiana Jones climbing yeah. under that truck. I mean, yeah. it was so such an amazing stunt, yeah. and it still is. I mean, it's still a great stunt, and I think there's only maybe one bad shot of where you know it's a stunt man. Other than that, it's really well shot, so it's pretty seamless, and the whole movie's great. I mean, yeah. it's from first frame of Raiders of the Lost Ark 
in the jungle and I mean to the boulder and then right the out of the plane with Alfred Molina. It's I amazing. Think, I think in that one sequence he tops every James Bond pre-credit sequence they ever made. Hmm. Up to that point. Probably still. Uh, during this uh, virus isolation time, I showed my kids the series, my 13-year-old and down to our 6-year-old twins. They all loved it. Kids are funny because they don't know the the crystal skull thing. They really love that one because they're kids. They don't yeah, know. Yeah, they don't, it's like kids yeah. with like the prequel trilogy. Like, yep. they, like nobody notices that like no. they came out at different times. How did they handle Star Wars? How they, did they handle Temple of Doom? That movie scared the hell out of me. That heart beating scene pulled from the live yeah. chest. I was not into that. They, when they I was were enthralled. They couldn't believe it. They were just like they just they loved it. I think it did the same thing to me when I was a kid. It kind of like whoa, where am I going with this? Your emotions of this kind of film. It, it seems a little dangerous. Yes. It feels good when you're a kid. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the six-year-olds, they they loved it. And then the 13-year-old, they, lo- they all loved it. And in fact, my, yeah. uh, my eight-year-old, he goes back and watches them all the time. You got to feel good about that. What I did do, because they had no idea, I actually showed <laughs> – I'm such a nerd. I showed them Temple of Doom <laughs> first because it comes first. <laughs> Oh, oh, chronologically. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The continuity made more sense with the Marianne character. So, did you yeah. do that with Star Wars too? Start them on Fantasy? Yeah, they, absolutely. They've watched in that order. That's how they know them. That's wild. That's good, man. There's no letdown. You watch like the first two. It's like, God, this Star Wars sucks. And then, and then the third one comes, you're like, oh, this one's better. And then the fourth one, you're like, oh, wow, Star Wars is great. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. One advantage of having kids is you kind of get to live your childhood a little bit and watch your kids watch the movies that you enjoyed. And I'm telling you, kids today, they like movies that don't have special effects. It's weird. It's like a reverse CGI. When there's practical effects, they're really enthralled by that. They recognize the realness of it in a sense. And so I don't know how to explain it, but... I I did too as a kid. There's something about seeing a guy do a thing in one shot. I think kids can understand when things are edited. Yeah. Yeah, like that live immediate experience is still exciting. Agreed. I, I would like to say that Dan and me probably have the same rating on Letterbox, but this is one of the mysteries I've been meaning to ask Dan for about three months. Oh, there are m- several movies on Letterbox that are not rated by you, and this is one of them. Huh. You've not rated Raiders of the Lost. Do you yes, have a lot I of? Have. That's bullshit. This Look is it you up. just have like a faulty app, man. Mm, not on there. Hmm. I just ranked all of my fives, and Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of them. All right. Well, it has all my other friends on there. It's five. I have it right here. I'm looking at it. Steven Spielberg has filmed two actors uh, with flies on their face. (laughs) What's the other one? It was a close encounter of the third kind. The kid has a fly on his face. And one of the scenes when he's in the closet, look at the light. Okay, number three. E.T. Extraterrestrial. 84 and a half out of 100, so fans and critics were getting near the 90s here. 1982, had this movie been released today, no surprise, almost $2 billion, $1.97 billion in ticket sales. That movie was so huge. Think about this. It was not a franchise. There's mm-hmm. one movie. Mm-hmm. It came out in 1982. Yeah. I was born, Ryan, in 1986. That's insane. So, like... I don't gain memories probably until say 1988, 89, and I remember ET being huge. Yeah, that's weird. It was huge throughout that whole decade. I it mean, was the yeah, biggest yeah. thing, and that was like seven years after it came out. Yeah, Ryan, uh, you're a little older than me, or a little younger than me. I'm born in born in '75, so I saw this in the theaters. 
okay, you're three years older than me. Okay, so I was four. I think I saw it in theaters, but I think it's no secret. Everyone knows I hate this movie uh, with the burning passion. I think it's. Do you want to save uh, it? I don't. I don't want you to. No, no, do okay. it. This okay. is what we're doing. All right, all right. Save what? I mean, I'm. Oh, you mean like for the ultimate? Yeah, because you saying hate's a pretty strong indication of where you might land on your worst. Well, I don't know what's left. I'm not looking at the, <laughs> the list anymore because okay. I want you to. Yeah, I'm not looking at the list either, actually. Okay, that's interesting. Um, it's one star. I hate this movie very much. Uh, one star. <laughs> it's, it's garbage on every level. I don't care what everybody else thinks. And one of my proudest moments alongside not seeing Titanic still to this day is that even when I was four and five and ten and twelve, I hated this movie then too. I never liked it. It's the worst impulses of Spielberg at play. I think everything about it's terrible. I don't like the acting. I don't like the script. I don't like the music, which is execrable. Yeah, that's that's my team. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thanks for listening to the worst of the best podcast. <laughs> no, no, Henry. Henry dislikes ET more than I do, but I don't like it. You gave it three. Well, yeah, yeah. I think it deserves a three because I think it's such an immaculately made movie. Like, hmm. there's really movie magic there. And E.T. doesn't seem like a puppet. Like, to me, he feels like an alien. I do like the music and some of the performances, especially uh, the parents. Melinda Dillon? Is that Melinda no, Dillon? No, in no, that? no. It, it's the one from uh, the Poltergeist. Oh, I forgot. Oh, D. Wallace. D. Wallace, right. Oh, right. And Drew Barrymore is cute in it. And, you know, it's an emotional movie. I, as a Spielberg fan, it annoys me because he was working on a film at that time called Dark Skies, which was supposed to be this dark horror movie about right. aliens, like, torturing this family on a farm. In, like, right, farm that's somewhere. right. And I always wanted him to make that movie. And then 1941 was unsuccessful, and he got a little spooked by getting too self-indulgent or something, and so he made E.T. instead. And I think it's a really sappy script. And I honestly think there are a lot of Spielberg projects that he's produced where he's done so well with child actors. Other than Drew Barrymore, I really don't like the child actors in E.T. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah. They're really bad. And I think Henry Thomas has actually grown into a good actor as this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. But he's annoying in that movie. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's claustrophobic. It's all either in the house or in that clearing out there. It never really does anything for yeah. whatever reason. It's just fine. It's a really beautiful, magical, good for kids Spielberg movie. If I had kids, I'd show E.T. to them. I but wouldn't. <laughs> I know you wouldn't, you dummy. I wouldn't. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't want to give them that bad taste. Really <laughs> There's plenty of other great movies for kids. It doesn't need to be that. Yeah, it'll show that your kids pay back with Mel Gibson. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you ready for number two? Yes. I'm ready for your opinion on E.T. Oh. You love it. Yeah, I saw it in the theaters when I was a kid. All right, number two. He hates it. He hates it. It's his pick for worst. He's trying to be slick. 
No predictions. I don't no, know. That's right. It, hey, I was a big fan of Jaws. If I can't communicate with the main bad guy, it's very frustrating to watch. Do you think the main bad guys are all those fellas with uh, walkie-talkies? Guns. They were freaking guns. You know, guns. guns. Walkie-talkies. Saving Private Ryan, number two, 1998 it came out. 88.5 out of 100 for its score with critics and fans. 738, $738 million at the box office. This movie is like the Mark Rylance to my Thin Red Lines Creed. Oh, dude, you and me both. If that makes sense. Wow. Yeah. Of course it does. We know. Yeah, exactly. you're talking to. Yeah, I mean, we're not. Dan likes it a little more than I do, but yeah, I saw I saw much. this in, I saw this in the theaters. I saw both Thin Red Line and in this in theaters. I actually read the book by James Jones, Thin, the Thin Red Line, before I saw the movie too, yeah, which might have helped because cool. it's incredible. It's a freaking amazing book. Yeah, uh, and it did help with the characters when I saw the film, the Thin Red Line film. It's just one of the best filmed films I've ever seen. I just love the way it looks. I love the way it feels. I love the emotion. And I love that it's really just a poem about that war. That's all it is. Yeah. And Saving Private Ryan to me was, yes, great opening sequence. Great. Ooh. Uh, that's what you're required to say when you talk about I know. It's like I, I have to say it. Like, yes. And then we turn into the Lord of the Rings. We just start traveling, you know, place to place, trying to find the ring, which is Matt Damon. A lot of walking. Yeah, a lot of walking and talking. And Vin Diesel proved then, as as he is now hey. a, a very terrible. He's a terrible actor. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> Easy. Again, this is a prime example of Steven Spielberg showing that he can piece together and film what looks like and supposed to be a great film. But I left wanting, and I felt like, I, am I supposed to like this more than Thin Red Line? Well, I don't. I think the goal was to make one of the great World War II films. It seems to me that he decided that he wanted to make a World War II film. He put out the call. Hollywood agents went to their screenwriters, were like looking for World War II films for Spielberg to make. And they decided on this one. And it's just not an inspired script. Robert Rodat wrote it. I just don't think it's a very good script. The movie is well made. It's got a great cast. It's Spielberg. The opening sequence is cool, whatever. (laughs) But... It's just not that great. It's okay. It's a, it's a fine World War II movie. It's as yeah. good as Mike Nichols' Biloxi Blues. <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's not Paths of Glory. I'm sorry. I saw it in theaters. It was highly anticipated. It was. It was huge. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, saw it in theaters, too, with my parents. I actually saw it in the theaters with my girlfriend at the time and my parents. Like We all went together to see it. And I guess I had really discovered early on that I unfortunately knew kind of knew what was going to happen. I feel like they went, well, we're going to make a World War II movie if we got to find something for Spielberg. But what we got to do is we got to get him a story that's going to appeal to Steven Spielberg. Mm -hmm. And that's what they did. They found the biggest war in the history of the planet. And they found one of the most minuscule, dumb stories that isn't even factual. And they chose this and they base an entire movie around this really astonishing opening sequence, which then I've subsequently seen. And it's not as astonishing because you keep watching war movies come out now and you're like, OK. And then you yeah. see Paths of Glory and you're like, oh. that's just as riveting in every way. We take the landing for D-Day and then we just go into this sort of Spielbergian saccharine thing where we're going to just spend all this time with this platoon of guys searching for one fella. And it's just, 
the cast, the Barry. Don't Peppers remember of the world. anybody about Jeremy it. Jeremy Davies, the great oh. Vin Diesel. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, Sorry. this movie, unfortunately, have to be compared to the movie that came out at the same time about the same subject on the other side of the world, which was The Thin Red Line. And one is so clearly accomplishing something that Saving Private Ryan is not. And I know they're polar opposites as directors, Terrence Malick and Spielberg. Spielberg just takes what could have really been if he would have utilized the story-searching power that he used in Schindler's List, he could have really made a masterpiece because obviously he has the technical ability to do so. We all know that. But he just chooses sometimes these projects and they're just completely puzzling to me. I mean, I know that that's kind of the story he likes but it, it was just such a waste. It was such a waste. And honestly, Matt Damon, I got to say, I, sure, that's not a good Matt Damon performance either. No, it's, it's like not. straight out of acting school. It's really bad. They give him really hammy dialogue. He was a much more mannered actor. Very. Yeah, very. Underconfident. Uh, I just watched mm. Courage Under Fire. Yeah. And like yeah, I've lost seen that. all that weight for that yep. role and yep. stuff. And it's sort of astonishing to look at, but the performance itself is full of very actorly ticks. Oh, yes. That, like, he doesn't really do anymore. Very much so. I think that movie is, I, I give it a two. I gave it a three, I think, right? I think so. You did. I look at a movie like that, and I just see a completely blown opportunity. And I will admit, it pisses me off that it's so f popular. Excuse my French. Uh, I, don't know I don't think that it's aged that strongly. Like, oh, people still talk yeah. about it, dude. I, some guy the other day just mentioned to me, wow. oh, you must love Saving Pride. And it's like, no, why must I? <laughs> it's just like a bro movie. It's just it's a frustrating one for me. because It, you know, yeah, it is a bro movie. It's a movie that has no women in it whatsoever. Yeah, but it's also just easy. It's a very easy movie. It's not challenging in any way. It was it, challenging to me when I was 12. I remember being... Yeah, like, you were 12. I was very emotional in the theater. The violence was off-putting. I remember crying watching that. Oh, uh, I, but then I revisiting cry. it later. It was right. I mean, you were 12. You can't really yeah. rate a movie right. like Saving Part Ryan in a... You'd have to wait till you're older to, to get it, which you still didn't care for it. The Vietnam movies that I saw at the age of 11 and 12 was both Platoon and right. uh, and Full Metal Jacket. And right. I'm the guy that watches Full Metal Jacket, and I also like the second half. I hate it when people say they don't like the second half. I don't understand. I'm tired of that, too. I'm tired of that, too. I don't understand what movie people are watching. What movie are you watching? The second half is an incredible war film. It's just jarring that it changes, and they never get over it. Kubrick is a genius and he's hard to understand for people but that <laughs> yeah but if you watch that I said that for Dan I know I to me when I watch the full metal jacket battle scene to me that's more visceral dark and heavy and incredibly filmed than the DD lighting I'm sorry 100%. I know I know tense but I will say that Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg did redeem themselves with the points that I think we brought up with the Abandoned Brothers series on HBO. And I think even more so, The Pacific. I love The Pacific. Dan got me, actually, to... I had shunned ever watching Band of Brothers. Oh, um, oh no, I'm glad you... I finally watched it, and it's great. Very great. I do prefer The Pacific. I think it's uh, better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as a Navy guy, I should say I like it better, too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Number one. So this one is huge for the critics and for voters on IMDb. Schindler's List, 1991, 91 and a half out of 100. 
Schindler's List. It was so big. It was such a big deal. They let anybody in to see it. They abandoned the rating system for that right. movie. That's they right. showed it on network television with like nudity and violence and shit. Yeah, yeah you're right. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. such a big deal. It was like America's movie. It made $530 million, so decent, decent box office. It was like three-plus hours long, so it didn't show as uh, many That's screens. That's big for an Oscar movie. I mean, think of the movies that yeah. win Best Picture at the Oscars now. They all make like $40 million bucks. Yeah, it's true. No, no, you're right. It's, it's huge at the box office. It was uh, Steven Spielberg's big win. The voters got guilted into making the Best Picture, so... It was the best picture. Okay. Wait a minute. Wait. Whoa. What? Are you coming back to that? It was easily the best picture. I don't remember. Movies. I don't. Confused was not nominated. I'm trying to remember what was nominated. This isn't my worst pick, but as a movie going experience, I had a horrible time. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. This is a. Remember when I talked about how I view movies? I put myself in the situation. I couldn't relate with anybody, obviously. So I'm like, this sucks. You know what I mean by that? Like, everything that's going on here just sucks. People are assholes. I know. What's going on in the world? Look, I'm the guy that has a hard time watching those fail videos because I feel the pain. You know what I mean by that? Like, sometimes I'm like, ooh, that must have hurt. And, You're a maniac. And so I might be. I look, I had, <laughs> and I saw this in the movie theaters. I was 16 years old. I saw this in the theaters because I felt like I had to, but not in a bad way. It was like, I got to, this is an experience. This is the movie people are talking about. This is a thing. This is. The other nominees were yeah, The I have Fugitive. Too. Right. In yeah. the Name of the Father. Right. The Piano. Ugh. And The Remains of the Day. There's four great movies there. Yes. And they yeah. picked the best one. Right. I agree. I am assuming Dan and I are both agreeing the piano being the one that's not great. No, I think the piano is great. I don't. Think you don't the like the, the, the day. I like the remains of the day. I have nothing bad to say about this film. In the sense of like not done well. That's the thing. It was done so. I was yeah. I felt sick. I don't say that to be funny. But isn't that great? But yeah, that's, that's that what great I, movie I, making to have such a visceral. And I recognize that. But this is right. this is just I can't believe like human being behavior to other humans is gross and is disturbing and did exactly what it did and did it well. And I've never seen it since. And I think that also with Spielberg, this also could have gone badly. This mm. could have been Jacob the Liar. This could have been oh something. God. Yeah, life, life is, is beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. and he didn't choose the boy that. In the the yeah, I was say right, that, the boy exactly. The and and I think Spielberg's a prime candidate for making that type of movie, but he did not. And yeah. I I'll always admire that. I remember Ray Fiennes. It was mm-hmm. the first time I'd ever seen him in my life. I don't do this ever, ever. But actually, even my most respected, even my friend over there, Dan, still does it occasionally, which is is really fun. It's funny to me. But he sent me a text the other day about Guy Pierce, never realizing that he was not American. And mm. I did that with Ray Fines after Schindler's List. I was like, whoever that German actor is that right. played that Nazi, he's unbelievable. And then I saw him. In the next thing he was in, maybe it was like Strange Days or something like that. Right. And I was like, what the, f- who does he have? Is he putting on an American accent? <laughs> and then it was, you know, I found he's a Brit. You know, Liam Neeson's a powerhouse mm-hmm. in that movie. I mean, he's just unbelievable. And I mean, just everything goes right in that film. And the music by John Williams is also phenomenal.
photography by Janusz Kaminski. Yeah, yep. done very well, but that's the whole thing. I, I yeah. it's, not, it's not a repeat viewing film for me. I don't know how many times you guys have seen it, but many. Oh wow. Many. Okay. Just twice for me, but great. I'll watch it again in my life. Because... I think I think maybe I should. I think it's been long enough now. It's been yeah thirty years. I I should probably watch it again. So I'm, that yeah, might... come on. You, you've had a series of disappointments and regrets since then. You've been hardened to the point where it won't <laughs> good upset point. you. Yeah, that's a good point. I was I was sixteen. I was a doe-eyed young innocent yeah. teenager. I really was. I was. Yeah, I didn't see the world this way, and to see it, the world be this way, though aware of it, because I wasn't an idiot. It's uh, <laughs> been released into the world. Yeah, right. I was shocked by the uh, treatment. Yeah, that was yeah. Like, just to see it played out. I was like, okay. I also have to say, as a Jew, I appreciate Schindler's List because it's kind of just if you want to know what the Holocaust was, you just like put that movie. Kind yeah. of shows you. I think Steven Spielberg said to the production company, what if they had a camera crew at the Holocaust? That's what I'm going to show you. That's awesome. Really cool. Thank you. All right. So here we go. That is our 10. I will go first because I and I would like Dan to go last if that's okay. <laughs> that's fine. Because I actually have no idea what you're going to pick and why. And I think – well, Henry, why don't you go kind of go first or is your answer different than what you sh- shat on there? Well, are we just doing – are we ranking Ryan, them? First of all, I think, Ryan, your choice is the most obvious. Okay, so we're not ranking them. <laughs> we're, we're not no, ranking – No, we're just saying the worst of the best, dude. Yeah. That's so it. So what, what's That's the it. worst one on the list? That's it. The what's worst pick. So yeah. basically – and then your reasons why and yeah, that's it. And sometimes the e. worst – E.T. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. It's a lot of fanfare. E.T. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I already said it. You already knew it. You guessed it. That's why I went first. What are the other – are there any even other contenders for you? In this 10 yeah. – in these 10 movies? Close Encounters, but it's not even near my dislike of That's for right. E.T. So really, no. No. None of these movies in this list of 10 are bad movies for me. And I like most of them and love – no, I'm I'm gonna take that back. Saving Private Ryan would be the next one. Oh wow, okay, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. yeah, I'd take Close Encounters over that because I feel like I could definitely watch that again and get something out of it that I haven't gotten before. And Saving Private Ryan, I don't ever need to do that again to myself. I've done it like two or three times just to try to get where people are with it, and I can't. But E.T.'s the clear winner. It's it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, come uh, on. And it's one of the – yeah, it is. And it's an unpleasant experience. And like I said, disappointed that it's so popular and still is popular. Hopefully that popularity will win. I don't something. think so, Henry. I think that is in the – International, international, because Ryan, you're Canadian. That in the in the canon, it's in the pantheon, bro. You can't. I know. I know. I can't. But it's disappointing to me that it is. And I guess I don't. Much like Ryan doesn't really get Jaws. I don't get ET. I Mm. do not understand the appeal. Thank you, Henry. That well said. Thank you. Even when I gave this topic to you guys, I already had my pick, and I and I hate that that's the case because sometimes when I'm doing these episodes with other people, I'll sometimes change my mind hearing other arguments. But there's no argument in the world that could ever make me out of the, out of this ten. E.T. I saw as a kid in the theater, okay, <laughs> and I'm the same age as Elliot, so I saw this movie watching this book. So I literally put myself in this film, and every behavior shown by the children 
it went against everything I would do as a child. I didn't understand. Yep. I didn't understand why a child who sees a creature in the shed thinks, well, I'm going to bring this into my house. And not only that, I'm going to waste Reese's pieces on this endeavor. Like all this doesn't make sense to that's me. Not, and nothing. That's not what I thought you were going to say, but that's, that's Actually, funny. That's fair, man. You hoard candy. It's man. true. You're not giving any Like, and then we see the creature. It's gross. It's ugly. It looks like a deformed, uh, like a deformed penis with no, legs and arms. It looks like a shit. Okay, sure. Uh, add that to it as well. Then it puts on a dress and a wig. It makes a mess in the kitchen. It burps and it drinks and and then I love all, when it drinks. No, all Spielberg, cool. all Spielberg favorite stuff. You see, no. that's the problem. It's it's hook. It's not it's, funny. It's, it's stressful. Right. He's got this thing with kids behaving in ways that kids kind of don't act. Never. And There's that's not one child in the world who does. Yeah. Exactly. And you have kids. I mean, I but I have nieces and, and they would never you know, do kids this. Kids don't act like this. No, not Spielberg even does one this. bit. Spielberg I does agree. this repeatedly in his this. film. I don't think so. There's plenty of movies that you feel that way about, Henry, that I, myself, and kids my age act. You say that oh, about, boy. like, Goonies and Stand By Me and stuff, too, and I love those movies. Uh, Goonies, I'll, I'm not a fan of yeah, at all, yeah, but so it's Stand more believable. Awesome. That I'm not a fan of that either, yeah, but, but, but those are far better movies. Oh, sure. I mean, and, then, and kids would do... That, that's far more believable to right. me than the hokum. Oh, to go see a body? Absolutely. Yeah, that would yeah, be something. Yeah, do, the yeah. hokum that Spielberg does in movies like E.T. and Hook. And he just, it's weird. I, I don't know. He has this sort of romanticized Hollywood version of what of kids act like and what families behave yeah. like. It's and the parents it too often that turn me off in, in some of his movies. And I, I don't get it. The worst scene in the film, and the one that stuck with me all these years, and I hate it, is when E.T.'s dying in the ditch. It's just so gross. It just looks like a skinned roadkill. I mean, just leave it there. Leave it. Just Someone just bury it. And then finally, when E.T. gets on the ship, I'm like in the theater, like, good, go. Go away. Don't come back. Get on your ship. Just leave us alone. Why were you here? Your whole existence, your whole experience here was miserable. It was. It was. I actually I, don't understand why the kids don't just turn him into the government. Like well, the, it has nothing to do with you. It's like another. If I found some weird creature, <laughs> I'd be amazed yes. by it, but I wouldn't be like, "Let me adopt it and be its friend." Well, that's like, what they wanted. Yeah. I, I would be like, "Let me hang out with it for like an hour and marvel at its weirdness, and then give and now it to call a the cops." Officer. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Hank, and I'm with you. I haven't shown my kids this film. There's no point. It's, it's oh good for you. God. Good man. Good man. Nope, I good haven't done man. it. I'm sorry. I, I'll never do it. I don't care. They can be good. 18 and I choose to do it themselves. I hope they discover it, and it's their favorite movie ever, and they don't <laughs> shut up about E.T. around you. They'll never be allowed <laughs> in my house again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm really a uh, drum roll, please. This, I, go, please tell I us which one. I think I know. I think I know First what it will be. I'm very disappointed. I thought Ready Player One would be on this list. And Not that even would close. Be an easy choice for me because it's hard. <laughs> I know what but it's going to be. Do you? Henry, of course, Henry. No. Henry and I like to go against each other. So Henry knows I like movies about a bunch of adolescents hanging yes. out. So he made that his least favorite. Yep. Henry loves. <laughs> yeah, that's why. <laughs> Henry loves long. Boring, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Historical yeah. <laughs> and so, no, to, to me, it's not 
Lincoln, it's, it's Lincoln is not Spielberg's worst movie, but if we're talking about the worst of the best, and if this list is comprising the best, mm-hmm. then to me, that's an easy choice. Lincoln is the worst movie on that list. Hmm. It is well past the golden age of Spielberg. Not that Spielberg ever got bad. I think Lincoln is like all of his worst instincts in like his worst, most overblown period of filmmaking. I don't see how making an Abraham Lincoln movie with Daniel Day-Lewis as Abraham Lincoln for Steven Spielberg is anything other than an Oscar grab. Daniel Day got an Oscar, did he not? Sure, Daniel Day got one, but Spielberg didn't. Right. That was my close, uh, but there's just there's no film that could be worse than E.T., so it's just like... I think Lincoln is well worse than E.T. Wow. I hear you. It's not unsound. It's a it, fair well, choice. I disagree. It's not fair, but uh, that's <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, no, well, I knew that was going to be Dan's pick. Yeah. Out of what, like Dan said, though, out of these 10, mm-hmm. although I guess for me, E.T. is the worst Spielberg film ever. Yeah, that's, I mean, your, that's your actual it, least. Even favorite. more, yeah, it's my actual Agreed. one. I mean, even worse Agreed. than AI, which I despise oh, for different reasons. Sorry. But And Hook. Also, but, I'd rather watch but Hook any he, day than E.T., absolutely. Yeah, I definitely like Lincoln more than Hook. I like <laughs> Lincoln more than Ready Player One. There's a bunch. No, nothing against that movie, but it's of the choices. The yeah. Right, of the choices. Yeah. That was a fun, fun journey. Truly, I want to say that I'm a listener of your show. Again, your, your podcast for my listeners. It's the franchise, the franchise podcast. You guys are really good at what you do. And I say that with own sincerity as a podcaster myself. You guys are funny. Your back and forth is great. I understand why some of my listeners have jumped ship and only listened to you. <laughs> <laughs> but all joking aside, it's been a real pleasure to, to have you on, guys, and to take time out of your day and your weekend to come on this uh, podcast and discuss these this topic and film. And I think whose choice was this, anyways? Was this a choice I brought to you? Yeah, you brought. Okay, this yeah, choice, but yeah. I thought yeah. it worked for us. Yeah, that's. Um, I think that's why I did it because it was right up your obviously movies and and you. I guys- also just really quickly want to say that for uh, an extra five dollars, you can get a lot of extra episodes from us on our Patreon. Yes. Slash the franchise, if I may plug something. Absolutely. Yeah, please plug your show, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it. The franchise is great. And listen to Worst of the Best and uh, Ryan's other podcast. <laughs> yeah, that other one, that Rocky one. All right, guys, well, thank you so much for coming on. And I hope we will do this again. And I at least get on your show to do the, a Sly Film franchise, at oh, least. Oh, yeah, absolutely, dude. Okay. You're, you're the one for that the, when we do it. Yeah, I'll be know. hurt. I'll be hurt if it doesn't happen. No, Ryan, that, if, okay. if you could pick any Sly movie that doesn't have a sequel, that isn't a franchise, what would it be? Easy, easy. Uh, it's either, well, for fun and for popcorn and just it's a fun. The best action flick he's ever done is Cliffhanger. And then uh, for drama, standalone story, front to end for just, it's a little bit aged, but really for being a 32-year-old film, 31-year-old film, uh, Lock Up. I love Lockup. I've never seen Lockup, man. I mean, Cliffhanger is great. I just rewatched yeah. it a few weeks ago. Cliffhanger so is very fun. Yeah. And I saw Lockup a long, long time ago. I thought you were going to say Copland for a second. <laughs> no, well, I'll tell you, Copland, I lo- I have issues with Copland. Well, I've talked about I don't want to yeah. bore you. But, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. but I, I love Sly's performance, but he's just surrounded by a lot of great performances. And the story itself isn't that great. <laughs> 
yeah, it's All not right. that. Good. That was Latin words. Not, well, no, it's not a great. It's a great performances around not a very compa- a very. Oh, no, good, I hear it's a story that should have been a miniseries. Is there's a great story there, but it should have been fleshed out. Felt very rushed. A lot of great characters felt rushed. Lastly, so what I'll say, Dan, I will watch Jaws if you watch Lockup. That's oh, that's deal. easy. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that's easy. Dan will watch yeah. it right tonight. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I want to finish Original Sin first, bro. Okay. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming on, and we'll uh, t- we'll talk again. All right. Thanks, man. Ryan. Thanks for having us, man. You bet. All right. Take care, guys. All See right. You, bud. Damn, a Gator Productions.